0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the People Who Play podcast. Today is July 29th, 2019, and this is episode 56. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm joined, as always, with Jamie Nystrom. Good day, sir. Good day. It is a, it's a wonderful day. It feels like summer. It's been a, a great week. I haven't spent a lot of time inside playing games, <laughs> but uh, managed to play play a little bit here and there, and that's what we're going to talk about, along with what we think next gen. Should look like from the different platform holders. What do they need to do to make next gen something awesome? So look for, forward to that throughout this episode. But let's go ahead and dive into, as always, what we've been playing. What have uh, what's been filling up your plate? Um, A couple things. things. Um,
1: so I'm trying to decide if I should jump into the big one first or yep. mm. let's just jump right in. So um, Fire do Emblem. It. Be first. Three houses. Ooh! Uh, yes. Just came out this last week, and I dived in. Not really being a Fire Emblem veteran, um, right? I'd always, I mean, so for people who don't know, Fire Emblem is a actually very long-standing Nintendo franchise that um, mm-hmm. wasn't super popular in the West for right for a long time. Like, I mean, it was always kind of there. I mean, it was like. Those characters in Super Smash Brothers, you know, like Marth's stuff. It's like, it's like I was like, who are these people? But you know, they were. They...
0: Yeah, it really wasn't <laughs> until the the DS, like the 3DS version. Yeah, really. Almost, um, I think when Awakening. Fire Awakening yeah, when it yeah. took off. Yeah, Awakening was it.
1: So I, I, I've kind of been curious in the franchise since I remember when Awakening came out. I had lots of people I knew who were more into handhelds than me were talking about it and how awesome it was. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I've always you know loved like Strad, you know, tactical um, RPGs and stuff like oh, that. For sure. So, it's your bread and butter. Yeah. Um, so basically it's been a long time since Fire Emblem has been on a home console. So this coming to switch, um, kind of gave me the, uh, you know, the final interest, to you know, dive in and check it out. And I have to say so far, um, I'm really enjoying it. It's that's awesome. So it's, um, it's a fantasy, you know, RPG game. It, basically the beginning of the game so far a lot of people i think have likened it i think pretty well to like what you would kind of want from almost like a harry potter rpg like how they Mm handle the opening so basically um very you know very very minor spoilers um you choose i mean basically you know main character you get to choose the four male or female and then it just basically starts and Basically, you are the child of a knight who worked for, you know, in this land, um, Fodlin, I believe, uh, is the area. There's three now different kingdoms. There's the Empire, there's the Holy Kingdom of Fargus and the um, Alliance of Leicester, I believe. So it's so, so some of the place names I know. are this kind of interestingly uh, seem irish inspired like you know you the the mountains of ogma and but basically so there's three different kind of uh competing kingdoms has been um more or less you know peace for a while but they're all kind of vying for different things so um but anyways your main character is the child of a knight who works for but basically the you know the church of the goddess that uh run you know it's kind of you know the the main religion in the land and is a very powerful you know kind of you know almost you know vatican papal say it's medieval style you know very very powerful political force but so there's this basically monastery where you know all the different you know the different you know kingdoms they all send you know their you know the young nobles and you know some you know like commoners for whatever you know you like you know, they get in for various reasons of explanation. So it's not just nobles. It's kind of a mix. But basically, the best and brightest young kids, it's basically, you know, the equivalent of wizarding school. But it's, you know, basically okay. ma- military, magic, all the stuff and ruling. But basically, um, so I guess running back around again, your, your father like 20 years ago was a knight for this church that runs this school. And there was like some big fire and he disappeared and no one knew what happened to him. And But apparently he went off to be a mercenary and you grew up you know with him is a mercenary and you're now a young-ish person with no determined age but basically you're still but you're young and um, basically you come across at the very beginning there's the three main heads of the houses that are on their way to the school and you help defend them from bandits and then the knights up and say they wanted to take your father and, and you to go meet the archbishop lady and basically they it's on the spot you so basically they need a new professor And they hire you and some of the other characters at the school already who are kind of the other professors. One of them is kind of suspicious and people are like, why are they hiring someone so young? But so basically you're a professor and you have to choose one of these three houses, which each have, you know, a wide assortment of pretty interesting and well-written characters. Um, Everything, Mm -hmm. the voice acting so far all seems, it's really good. Uh, The characters from all the different schools. You get a little bit where you can go around before you make your decision of which one you're going to, which house you're going to take to kind of tutor you can talk to all the different students and the ones and kind of get a feel for which ones you think you're more interested in i went with the empire because you know they have a double-headed eagle and anything remotely roman i'm gonna you know i'm gonna double down on that so. okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway so so i'm with the <laughs> the empire and the other two houses you can actually try to recruit students from the houses to yours if you want to try to you know find ones that have skills or maybe just like that character and you can eventually over the course of the game it's pretty hard you have to like get your own stats up to certain things and try and get them to like you but you can recruit people from other other houses to your own but they're all pretty unique and have a wide variety of i mean none of the, i mean the, some of the characters are more quirky than others but none of it's at a level that i found annoying um they're all right. they all seem even the ones with quirks actually have like a surprising amount of other kind of background depth as you get to know them more. So as I've been going through, I've actually been surprised at, you know, how interesting a lot of, you know, basically your students are actually getting to know them and their backstories and how kind of the world has, it it's, it's, it's all pretty well written. I'm really enjoying that aspect so far. Um, in terms of other kind of how the gameplay starts out. So basically it's interesting because, you know, you're a professor and so like basically every month, you know, there's like a calendar and like, so things will kind of happen. On, on certain days you get to choose like what actions you're going to do. So usually how it goes is like I think Saturday or whatever the end of the week is your free day. Most of the times that's when you choose like you can either choose to explore the monastery. We get to go around, you can talk to everyone. there's kind of little mini usually run, like kind of that's like pretty simple quests around the school like going around finding someone talking, to someone bringing something back. Um, but it's usually a good chance that's where you get a lot of your characterization. You can find random books to increase your professor level as well which lets you can perform more actions um so, sounds very personal no, it, it definitely i think you would um kind of enjoy it for that you get to you, you, so you're kind of managing the time and how you do um it seems a little you know it's not the same same but you do have to be you can't do everything and you have to manage right. um, how many things you can do on these like free days
0: and so you kind yeah, of like persona it's like you pick one thing to do that afternoon mm-hmm. or that day whereas i if, if i understand right from fire emblem uh three houses you three three kingdoms or whatever it's called is it three houses or three kingdoms? three is houses called three houses um i think you have are there a certain number of action points that you yes have that's what i was those, uh, those free
1: times? that's what i was getting into okay. so uh, that's tied to your professor level so doing these other quests can help you boost up besides the character level you have like your professor level starts out at like a e and you move up to e plus d d plus c c plus that kind of like that scaling system's Mm -hmm. common for most things but so the more as your professor level goes up that will give you more action points so you start out with like being able to do two different actions on that day and so actions can be Mm -hmm. things like sharing a meal with students and that um can help because you have to be managing your students like morale and you want to try and keep it high and boosted because that will improve when Mm. it comes time for them to study like you can give them more training sessions and also when they study on their own throughout the week that will improve the results so you need to kind of be managing across all of your 10 i believe 10 i think you have no nine you have nine wait there's nine including you so you have eight you have eight students in each house that you actually have to manage so you have to kind of be pretty consistent you can't just focus too much on just your favorites you need to keep and be trading off you know everyone to kind of keep things optimal. but yeah so as you level up you get more actions there's other things you can do like you know events like one of them's like you know sing in the choir um there's i'm trying to think if anything's too spoilery um i mean there's just like a couple simple things that will increase um you can also do things like with from other faculty members you can get training from them to increase your own skills in different areas and So so yeah, so you have to kind of be picking and choosing what you can do. And then um, also, so that's on your exploration days, but besides exploration days, you can choose to do other things. You can do um, basically extra battles, which are a good chance to get more XP um, for your team and kind of keep their levels up to what you need to handle main missions. You can engage in seminars where um, each of the different, you can choose basically one of the faculty members will have a topic and depending on topic that will attract like a certain subsection of your students and we'll give them bonus to those skills so it's another way to kind of boost both yours and their skills but and um so that's kind of and then later on you can also choose the rest which will improve everyone's um motivation overall um one of the kind of cool things is there's actually um some online components which are kind of um they're more like kind of Subtle community-oriented things, kind of like a combination right. of a combination of like some of the stuff you'd see in Dark Souls during the missions, but also mm-hmm. like Telltale games. So like, once you get going, you can actually see it will show you the stats of like what most people chose Who to chose do what. on these days off. So that can kind right. of that can kind of help guide you to kind of choose if sure. you're not sure how to best spend your time. Um, what I've mostly been doing is a combination of um, I think usually exploration one usually once a month then I try to focus on battles and seminars I think if I got if you get all your students kind of mo, uh, motivation level low and you still have like an extra week before the main mission and you know, don't really need to do any more battles that might be a good chance to rest um, so you so kind of choosing those things and then after that at the start of each week is when you basically can plan out the instruction And you can also, I think, just auto-automate a lot of this if you're not interested. But for me, this is actually one of the things Mm -hmm. I've been enjoying Mm -hmm. the most. So then you get to choose. um, This also ties into professor level. So it starts out, you know, like how many um, students can you basically focus and give extra lessons to to kind of um, really hone and focus what skills they're focusing on. You can choose what their overall focuses are. And you also set up like a weekly task where two of the students will um, do basically a chore, which will boost them in either so far riding heavy armor or flying but it also then improves their support levels between them um so kind of like the relationship so you're both building up your relationship with your students and also trying to build up their relationships with each other to give them i think more um, bonuses and it also then will unlock more you can actually when you're in the exploration mode you can hit the menu button and then there's a thing that says support when these, and it will show you a little icon when there's new ones, but then you get to see like these little interactions between the characters. And these are actually really fun, um, to kind of see how they interact with each other and it builds up their support. And so there's a lot of um, cool character building and uh, kind of like, the, and also tied in with kind of building your stats and RPG mechanics. Um, the battles themselves are, um, you know, they're turn-based tactical, um, and they did add basically an ability that you can um, turn back the clock a certain number of times per battle. I think three oh, usually. Cool. So like if you make, if you make mistake, someone dies from an unlucky crit or you've realized something you can hit um, LZ and it will kind of then bring up a list on the right side of each action that's been hanging. You just keep scrolling back down to however far you want to rewind basically and, oh, and do it. So that's kind of a nice way. Um, I guess speaking. Is that
0: tied to difficulty or is no, that just it's a not. feature that's it's actually there? nice.
1: Okay. Um so as far as difficulty goes, it's two different there's um difficulty itself either is normal or hard in terms of you know how difficult things are. And then there's um, casual and classic, which is basically Iron Man mode, which would have permadeath. Mm-hmm. I elected not yep. to do that on my first run.
0: It's actually. I was going to say that that was one of the questions I had. <laughs> is you you typically go towards those Iron Man type playthroughs? So I was curious. Yeah, you um, I, I, I I sat there
1: thinking about it, but really since this game has three complete different stories, and I you know not as familiar with the mechanics and stuff in the series, I figured. So what I did, I actually picked hard difficulty in casual. That way, I can enjoy um, the little more challenge to the combat, but not worry about having to you know it's like but that said with classic you can use this rewind feature or even um reload Mm. um the save at the beginning of the battle if you do have you know cat um you know catastrophic failure i don't think it deletes your save or anything um so you can still reload and you know at the beginning of battles and stuff but i just wanted that little bit of extra just you know i just wanted to kind of not worry about the permadeath yet so, right. But now that I know, because I didn't know going in that this mechanic existed, and I just like was like, uh, I don't know if I want to. You know, how hard is it for people to die? From what I do understand, though, if you do do that and your characters do die, they're just not available for battles. They still appear, I think, in like cutscenes and oh, other stuff. Okay. um But yeah, I mean, so it, the options there, and maybe if I you know go through, I am kind of curious now that I'm getting um, a little bit into the story and how you know how things are shown differently from the other sides going forward and also i mean it also seems that eventually there is a um basically once you finish up the school phase there's like a time shift of several years and then the game will continue i think in a more kind of traditional sense i'm not sure Mm -hmm. exactly what i'll report that when i get to there but from what I understand, it's a pretty meaty, um, campaign. You know, I've been hearing 60 to 80 hours to finish one Yeah, half. that's,
0: that's kind of what I've been hearing too. Yeah.
1: But you know, so far, like it has really grabbed me. Like I've just like not really been able to put it down. Just like the pacing of doing like the training, building up, kind of learning, you know, the stats and how you build towards basically trying to identify, um, basically class goals for each of the characters and what skills you need. Cause, oh, that's the other thing is like, um, for classes, you basically have to get your skills to a certain point, and then you have to like use um, a certain currency that you can buy from the merchants, or sometimes find admissions and get them quest rewards are, like certification seals. But there's different levels mm-hmm. of like advanced classes, and then they have to sit for the exam. And you know, you can you can try to take these exams if they don't have you know quite the high enough skill, and it'll be like a percentage chance, and you could fail. But Maybe, um, but generally, at least at the low low levels, it's easy enough by the time you can take it, you have enough skill for that class. But so you can kind of identify, like you can look at um, kind of the the further, deeper classes and kind of for each character as they start to grow. um, Sometimes during the week, they'll come up to you with questions and recommendations and ask, oh, I think I want to focus on, you know, this skill and not this other one I'm on. And if then I'll get like, that character will get like a bonus if they are only like, you know, for for that skill only and so sometimes the character the characters will kind of give you hints of you know kind of what class they want to be and you can and you can choose to take it or not or build them however you want but it's kind of nice to have that there so it's uh it's pretty deep i've just not really you know i've just been like not really been able to put it down because it's like you know battle battle and then you know you're like building up you know talking to people and um that said i'm not sure okay um i'm not sure how much on a replay, the value is gonna hold up. Um, in terms of, you know, is the exploration gonna be as rewarding? I don't really. I think you can skip a lot of that. Like you probably won't want to spend as much time running around the exploration, talking to everyone to hear that random pieces of dialogue they have. You might just want to focus on getting the quest done and sprinting through. Um, so I think, you know, I think you know. So there's definitely a lot of replay, but I think it might be quicker on the the second or even third through because you'll know what to kind of skip and focus your efforts on um it but you know definitely i have just like been playing this nonstop. it's like i'm enjoying the story and the characters
0: and i just i i do have one question something that's kind of i've been wondering from a story perspective because mm-hmm. granted i mean you've got this from what i remember this this school essentially in the middle of all of these kingdoms and these three kingdoms are sending their own you know kids yeah like to go to this like each of the areas of or the what kingdoms are there so I mean. are these warring kingdoms um, or are like is that, is that where the conflict is or is there a mutual enemy
1: well okay so a bit of column a, a bit of column b so a little minor spoilers backstory basically um at one point all of the three kingdoms were under the empire and then if you read the history like eventually then the first to rebel was what became the Holy Kingdom, and then like another hundred years okay. after that, the other one rebelled. Um, it, it the t- at the period of time where the story starts, they're all basically at relative peace, um, and it does seem like, based on the story so far, there's there's possibly some other deeper enemy or force going on that might be trying to stir things up. I'm not sure the motivations yet. So okay, and I'm guessing after the time skip that will lead to conflict between them is you know, the one you've chosen to sure, kind sure. of do things. So it seems like, yeah, a bit of column a, a bit of column B, but it's um okay. It's surprisingly, you know, I, th- I think it's, uh, you know, so far it's been engaging well-written
0: because I mean, and, and it's, it's good to hear that there's a little bit of, of a mixture. Cause that was the one thing I kind of scratched my head. at. I was like, okay, so you've got these three warring kingdoms, all training each other at the same school. Well, it's because I said the, the,
1: you know, basically the the Church of the Goddess that, you know, has power over all of them to some extent kind of enforced that. But so this is like a neutral ground where they all send, you know, their best and brightest. And this year in particular, I said it's special because, you know, there's basically the most important heir to each of the different um, lands are all there at the same time. So it's kind of a slightly unusual in that. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like there's set up for conflict both between the different forces and also an outside force that might be okay. stirring things up so it's uh it, it's it's fun and i would so far you know it's really i think when i'm sitting back and thinking about it it's probably the most engaged or drawn in i've been on my switch since breath of the wild i think like oh, like oh, in far wow. of games that have just really grabbed me that i just on switch i'm this right. is up there for me with breath of the wild so far so
0: okay because well, it hasn't, I mean, it's been on my radar, but I haven't really been motivated to pick it up because I'm kind of just playing other things yeah, and my Switch has kind of been gathering dust a little bit. But I don't know, that That makes me interested. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know. We'll see. If, there,
1: if there's a demo or something, that'd be interesting. But it's definitely, I'm happy I kind of jumped in even a little bit little bit blind. I've been kind of following it since it was announced, you know, because I was curious and, you know, kind of all the things that have been shown over the last couple months in the lead up have kind of cemented me to be like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to take. You know, this this jump, especially since, you know, it's kind of a a big jump for me, but I'm really enjoying it so far. Um,
0: Yeah, so that I've tried the last couple of uh, Fire Emblem games, including Awakening, and Mm -hmm. I can't recall the the name of the most recent one, but neither of them. I mean, I enjoyed what I played, Um, you know, the combat's really cool, but it just the characters were always really interesting. But it never captured me and held me through to the end. But it sounds like this one. I think the the story here, from what I've been reading, is
1: a little bit more kind of engaging. As I said, it's like, it's more, it seems like there's a lot more intrigue, uh, more, you know, Games of Thrones type of, you know, kind of a setup than I think previous games. So I think it's it's worth looking into. Um, Okay. So I guess now we can Got that out of the way. There's a couple of the other things before, you know, this came out that I was. um, into the last couple weeks um so on the the xbox summer sale there's a couple titles that i'd been you know kind of uh you know curious about for a while that you know dipping down to the right price decided to just jump in and test them out and um first off the bat is one called elex um kind of a Mm. a strange Mm -hmm. sounding name but um what this game is it's actually a um open world RPG from the creators of the Gothic series, which has a long and storied history that we have some, (laughs) some small memories of, I believe (laughs)
0: I've got, I've got some connection to Gothic three in particular.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's that style, um, you know, it's a, you know, kind of similar ish to, you know, elder scrolls, um, in terms of ambition, I believe, but definitely with its own flavor, Mm -hmm um but this one is actually it's it's an interesting mix of fantasy and sci-fi in this world yeah. where basically so elix is basically this um i guess you just call it material that basically a giant comet full of it crashed onto this world and basically you know destroyed it and this allows different um groups to kind of harness the energy for different meat for different purposes there's mm-hmm. um your main character starts out in what's basically the bad guys called the Albs, which are like, they've become these like heartless, almost machine, like humans that are completely devoid of emotion and like very brutal mm-hmm. and on some sort of mission to like subjugate the entire world. And they're hated by pretty much everyone else. Um, there's another group called the clerics, which use it to like, you know, create powerful machinery. Um, there's the outlaws who basically use it to like make crazy drugs and steal crap. And this. and then yep. there's also the barbarians who reject all technology and are the only ones who actually use magic per se and mana. Um, mm-hmm. So very early on, basically beginning your character is on a mission is shot down, loses, you know, is then because they failed because they were shot down, the other ones show up and um, basically shoot you off a cliff, but you survive and you've basically lost mm-hmm you know your connection to them and so basically you're a fresh slate and you can choose i think more or less if you know where to go which one to immediately join you kind of basically prompted at the beginning to go to the um, barbarian city, city first um which i have done um it's kind of one of these games though it's like at low levels you are beyond weak you can't just you know you run out there in a mm. wild you know random animals just kind of one shot you basically so it's you're dead it's basically best to go to the find you know a city first and do
0: where they're guiding you yeah
1: to do the quests and um unlike the elder scrolls you know you don't uh you don't get your skills improved by using them it's actions and quests give you xp you build up your xp and increase your attributes and then when your attributes have certain levels you can go and find trainers to actually pay them basically money to train you in the skills so it's kind of a a hybrid-ish system it's it's kind of refreshing in some ways um but also being very low level as i said if you just want to start going out there and wandering across the world this isn't the kind of game that lets you do that right away um but i was actually in this game too kind of surprised at how interesting they actually made this world where it's, you can basically to create your character, you can be basically, you know, the Terminator or you can be, you know, like a magic wielding barbarian in leather armor and using swords, mm-hmm. guns, mm-hmm. lasers. So it actually mixes all these things in pretty well so far. And I was, you know, kind of surprised. I mean, the game itself is, um, you know, it's not quite, you know, at the level of, you know, like Skyrim it or Fallout. It's, yeah, yeah. A jank is definitely, definitely uh, janky. In many aspects, c- controls but... it feels a little
0: fl- feels yeah. a little floaty, not as tight as what you would expect from a AAA, which is very much like Gothic. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it seems like they haven't changed very much in the in the the style that they go for. I mean, you can it's it is rough around the yeah. edges, that's for sure. You know, I for me, i I've, I've got. To, I played through a little bit of it. I got to the the encampment of the barbarians mm-hmm. and then I stopped playing. And the only reason I stopped playing is because I'm playing something yeah. else that is like completely the opposite of it. Yeah. In terms of quality and production <laughs> values. And I'm like, okay, this, you need to do this one is or not the, other the time first. for me. Uh, yes. It's like I can't I can't do both of these because I'm gonna just completely push this one away and, and ignore it, even though I do see some spark of you know, interest. Yeah. In once there. There, there's once I think you get going cool there.
1: Yeah. I think once you get going, that's when it really seems to kind of open up with the possibilities and being able to like redirect your character and manage like, you know, cause you're also besides choosing like, you know, what skills and stuff you're focusing on. You also like your responses will change what they call your cold. And you know, mm-hmm. the more cold you are, it's basically you're more devoid of emotion. And so, but those will also seem to, if you, you can focus to have, you know, basically if you're really, really cold, you can get bonuses to like ranged weapons. Whereas if you go the other way, it's like, you know, basically really emotional. That's where you get like the bonuses to magic and other stuff. So there's kind of multiple system. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very systems heavy game, which appeals, you know, to certain people. And if that's what appeals to you, that's what I think where you right. can get the enjoyment, not so much out of, I mean, it seems like they did a pretty good, like, you know, it's it's a pretty good job, you know, the world, the characters are, you know, you know most there's some interesting ones some of them are you know kind of flat but you know it's kind of a mix but you know it feels very um you know almost like a really really cool like if someone made you a tabletop you know RPG adventure right. this is kind of you know the types of characters you'd expect It to run.
0: feels like yeah it it does feel a little bit like that and I I will say if, I don't know how you're you're playing it but my my suggestion would be if you were to play this game, it would be either one, be on a PC mm. or two, be on an Xbox One X <laughs> and enable a higher frame rate play because I did it by default. That's what they put it on. Yeah, that's that's a good reason as you default. found out. <laughs> there, yes, because I switched to, to resolution for a minute yeah. and quickly switched right yep. back to frame rate because it, number one, it didn't look a whole lot prettier nope. on better on the higher resolution. Um, but even if it did look prettier, it runs at uh, you, it's below 30 that's for sure at a steady at a steady rate below 30 frames per second so uh definitely do the higher frame rate on an on an xbox one x that is for sure
1: yeah i, I would i would agree um it definitely you know kind of tying into the jank you need it as smooth as possible like i said like the controls are you know not quite you know it's not smooth as you'd like mm-hmm. and having that frame rate constant helps a lot so yeah, um, but otherwise, you know, it's kind of, I think, you know, kind of one of those mid-tier games that, if that interests you, that's, a, you know, it looks like there's, there's plenty of enjoyment to be had. It's just, you know, it doesn't have the super high production values. Um, kind of going the other way into, you know, much more higher production values, uh, the last game I was kind of playing around uh, Far Cry New Dawn, which um, actually came mm. out this year, but, you know, is already pretty steeply discounted. And as someone who's, you know, played pretty much every Far Cry game and enjoyed it, um you know i was curious you know i didn't get in this at launch because i was just like not in the mood but um right it, it's different though than i mean i'm kind of surprised they didn't this like really this cult like far cry 5 new dawn and more build it as a standalone expansion i think that would have made more sense Well, yeah
0: because i mean it it it's literally a sequel of sorts to far cry 5 i mean it is a the future of that story it's it's interesting that they wouldn't include the five in there
1: yeah i mean but so yeah it does it it basically does just follow on the heels of what happened in five and a lot of the the characters npcs you're meeting are like either older versions or the children of characters from the first game so it's been like 20 something years Mm -hmm. i mean it's kind of interesting that the entire premise of the game is like basically the uh the cult in five was right and you know the great disaster happens and you know the world's an apocalypse um in terms of like gameplay it's like what's really different about it is that like everything is very clearly set up in terms of like um tiers so like you know starting out basically like you know all the gear and stuff you get will be like tier one and like low level outposts or like you know tier one enemies and then like tier two they have like two you know, kind of segments in the health bar, and like, you know, and if you're using a tier one weapon against them, you're doing a lot less damage, and so you need to get basically everything you're getting is materials, and you go to like the workbenches, and you're upgrading your home camp to upgrade your workbenches for different things and get higher level stuff. So it's kind of a different system from every other Far Cry game, where like, you know, this gun is this gun, and it's going to do this much damage, and you know, it's kind of like, okay, you need, you know, the rank two basically assault rifle well, or rank two weapons if you're going to take on rank two challenges and content and stuff. So it's kind of interesting that it's set up that way. Something that is, that kind of takes advantage of that, though, is, like, a lot of times, so, like, you know, the resource you need to gather the most to improve your home base is ethanol. And so, like, you go to outposts, you clear them, you get ethanol. And then um, you can basically abandon them to reset them to the next highest level to get a bonus and be able to do it again for more. So that's kind of a way to kind of be able to redo the, same strongholds with harder enemies and get more rewards. so there's kind of stuff like that um but otherwise you know it's i mean this you know it definitely is a lot like far cry 5 but not the same um i don't like mm-hmm. this it doesn't have as much of i think the heart character especially like the music i mean it has stuff but like it just doesn't right, right. it doesn't feel quite all there like you know it's like you have the skills and your skill tree, but it's not as expansive as the other one. Like everything is just simplified a little bit to me. That's why it just kind of screams like standalone expansion or something, you know, this, it doesn't feel like so much a standalone product on its own in some ways, but I mean, the far cry elements are all there and they feel good. And, you know, you're going there, you know, you're, you're hunting, you're clearing bases, getting resources, upgrading your stuff, you know? So it's still fun. I don't think I would love it or enjoyed as much as i did far cry 5 but you know for for 20 bucks you know i think it was uh you know i'm I'm enjoying it i'll probably finish it you know i don't think it's gonna go down in my favorite far cry games ever i don't know maybe the right maybe the story will really pick up it's kind of i think what i don't like as much about this one compared to other ones is like at least so far like your villains are these you know twins who just are just like villainy f- almost to the sake of being villainy is whereas like every other game had a little more nuance um these ones are just like i mean they just want to control everything and they're kind of like um i guess minus spoilers well, for other content like a less interesting version of um uh the the one bad guy in the more recent series of the walking dead who's just like kind of the brutal one wants to control oh, everyone negan. yeah negan but like if he was less interesting and compelling it's just kind of like That type of... This doesn't feel so far as, like, compelling, but it is kind of interesting so far that, like, at least in the early stages, the the cult members aren't hostile to you, and in some ways it seems like you're going to try to team up with them to take these people out. Maybe you fight them after that. Hmm. I'm not sure. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, I'm enjoying it. I'm not, like, resounding, you know. I don't think it's as good as Far Cry 5 in many ways, but I'm kind of... The changes to the systems are... um, I guess it feels in some ways more... Arcadian and gamey so some people sure. might really enjoy that i could see like it's just very you know okay i need to clear rank th- three stronghold or kill rank three you know legendary animal or something so you need to know how what you know kind of level you need to get your weapons at before you can really attempt it so it kind of it kind of um gates you off of stuff that way i guess instead of just being able to just like go anywhere and clear anything at any time so i mean it's, it's a mixed bag so far for me i mean i'm still enjoying it i'm gonna probably finish it eventually but yeah, I think that. Uh, okay. I think that wraps up most of what I've been playing. So.
0: Okay. Well, I've I've been playing a few things. Um, I'll touch a little bit on my my continuation with Pathfinder Kingmaker. Just overall, my impressions are still really high of that game. Uh, I've I've taken a break for, uh, probably a few days now, uh, but I've still been sinking a lot of hours into that game. Um, you know what what I what I like about it. I mean, it's interesting that the way the the story is delivered and how it's all structured. It's not your, at least right now, it doesn't feel like your typical, okay, this is the overarching narrative of the game. Follow through with it and do some side quests along the way. I mean, it's, it opens up, you know, as I talked about last week, if, if you inheriting by one way or another, inheriting these, um, these lands that are up for the taking. You get them and you become the baron of these lands and you start making choices and making deals and, and uh growing up your this this developing this land to be more productive and more resourceful and more, you know, building up the economics and all that stuff. There's all those things that are going on. It seems like the overall goal and narrative is going to reveal itself kind of based around that when, you know, when you got these uh, neighboring lands and and how mm. your expansion expansion is going to either imp- impact that negatively or positively, and the relationships that you build on a political level. I'm not sure how far mm. it's going to get into those things, but that seems to be what the you know with the the, game, the way the game set up at the beginning, kind of what's what's going to happen when you start getting more power. I mean, it's it's called Kingmaker. Yeah. So <laughs> that makes me think it's eventually you're not going to be just a Baron. So yeah. we'll see how that plays out as I get further into it. But, you know, with what the the game, it, it doesn't have traditional chapters. Hmm. So I can't, I, yeah. I, I'm not really you're sure not how far you are. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, I, I would say I'm in like chapter two, maybe three. There there are moments in what they call the, the main, the main storyline for that particular part of the game. Um, you've got that quest line you'll see through to the end and then you'll get, um, uh, a cutscene of sorts, kind of explaining like, oh, this is the state of the party, and this is now what we're facing moving forward. And then you move into it, and you've got your new main storyline for that for that uh, deal, while still growing your kingdom at the same time. So, I it's really neat how they do that. Like the first one that you're faced with is like, hey, your land is being overrun by trolls, and these trolls aren't being killed by fire like they traditionally are and so you're investigating why that is and you figure out okay the, pro- the now how can you actually deal with them and kill them figure out why they they are possessed in such a way that fire doesn't hurt them and then you deal with that threat you eliminate it and then you move on to the next and then that chapter closes if you will and then now we're on the next one where you've got these a uh, 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 higher You know, a higher rate of of magical beasts are showing up in the Hmm. land, and how that I don't want I don't want to spoil it. It's because I actually think it's kind of interesting how um how it played out. But you've got more magical beasts that are trying to kill everybody, and so you you investigate that, you figure out what the problem is, and you deal with it in kind of an interesting way. So. And then it's going to move on to the next storyline. That's going to draw. That's I think just kind of drawing you into the expansion of your your territory. That's cool. and so I think that's it's just there, kind of leading you along to what I'm going to assume will be ultimately what becomes the the the, the bigger end game, mm-hmm. uh, as as far as that's concerned. And I'm really enjoying. It. I mean, the characters are fantastic. You know, building some really cool relationships with these people. I mean, one of my one of my favorite party members. Uh, is a lawful, neutral paladin. Mm. Um, and, she, I mean, when, when with the type of paladin that she is, she, she doesn't believe in a deity of, of, of sorts. Uh, and she Dread. doesn't use... I am the law. Right. <laughs> and she doesn't have, basically, yeah, and she doesn't have access to magic, so no, no lay-on-hand mm. spells or anything like that. But what she does is she basically chooses someone to protect and gets bonuses for that. So you could choose to be that type of paladin as well, but that's, that's just the type of character she is. And she's, she's this very, you know, as people would see her, she was very beautiful. And she, with where she trained to become a paladin, um, that's all people saw her as was just a beautiful face and that and that bothered her. They, they would always comment on her her long beautiful hair and they would always try to fight, you know seek her favor so she cut her hair off. <laughs> but then but then people were like oh your eyes are so beautiful and so she's like you know what I'm done with you people and she just leaves she she forsakes what darker. she was doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and she removes her eyes. <laughs> no. So th- then she just, she leaves. She, she's done with that life and she finds you and, and she's now, you know, partying up with you. And so, of course, I'm with the character I'm playing, I, I'm trying to uh, establish a relationship <laughs> with this character. And it's actually, it's kind of funny uh, to when you, because she doesn't respond to, the traditional flirtation you know she yeah. that that might backfire sh- shuts she shuts down yeah she shuts down real quick with that but there's there it's it's interesting to see this character develop as you are talking with her and kind of figuring out the right way to communicate with her see what what actually makes her happy what makes her smile and it, it, it's it's fun it's really it's well written uh and just an Interesting character development. There's a there's a lot of opportunities in the game for for fun interactions like this character. So it's I've really been enjoying it. You know, my wife as well is continuing to play it a whole lot more than I am, uh, and it's just it's I absolutely see myself playing this through to the end. Oh nice! Uh, in addition to that, I picked up uh, just yesterday Tetris Effect. Ooh. Um, finally launched on PC. Um, it's been you know been a hot PlayStation game uh, for for a minute now and i i thought about getting on the ps4 but really what i was intrigued about was the the play the the vr uh, aspects of the game and since i don't have a playstation vr i didn't really want to buy it on the playstation so i was hoping it would eventually come out on pc sure enough it did unfortunately (laughs) it's an epic game store exclusive and now that normally wouldn't be a problem for me because even when i buy steam games that are vr i could still launch them steam through the steam. oculus storefront i uh, can't do that here i have to i have to open the epic game store i have to click yeah. on the gear icon and i have to launch oculus vr in order for me to actually play it the way i want to huh. so a little bothered by that but it's not a it's not a huge deal breaker yeah, needless to say <laughs> It, it, it's annoying it's a minor inconvenience but once i'm in i'm in and the game is simply breathtaking i it is it is everything i would have hoped it to be um from number one a tetris game but number two from just a experience in virtual reality it is it is i don't want to sound too cliche mm-hmm. but it is it's is meditative. It breathtaking like it, one might say I mean it's almost it's a it's a zen-like experience and I was trying to explain it to my wife after I first started it I was like you know Tetris gets uh it gets stressful but even in the most more stressful moments in this game I don't feel it I feel relaxed I feel calm uh and just kind of enjoying the experience it's it's hard to to articulate but you know it I, I know that i was articulating it correctly because when my i finally had my wife try it she's like okay i get exactly <laughs> what you're saying cuz she kind of just raised her eyebrow a yeah, little bit like, me me. She's like uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 sure honey yeah it's 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 cool i'm sure and then she tries it she's like this is the coolest vr game i've ever i've ever experienced <laughs> and she's played all the ones that i have um and you know i i was sitting down to play it last night she's like let me try and so i let her try and i i didn't get to play i mean so of she, outside she, she of
1: you know just the experience from like i mean because like you know i know i've i've, I've seen the game played just on a on a screen you know it's a lot of like almost you know like the backgrounds and the music are really i think what impressed people is it just that being yes. so done well in vr that gives experience it's not like necessarily taking advantage of any vr only kind of gameplay abilities it's just the experience and how those you know the I don't want to it, just dismiss it as like an, screensaver effects because I know it's more than that, but like, you know, the kind of right, the particle effects and stuff going on and the rhythm and mm-hmm. the beats and stuff. It's just kind of like being in like it's a laser over, show type of thing.
0: Sure. It's it's an overused term in VR space, but in this one, I think it's the most effective way to explain it. It's the, it's the immersion. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally putting yourself in. In, in that experience Yes it is it's flashing lights it's particle effects it's the, the, the way you know when you're spinning your tetramos and you' you're, you're breaking your your lines and you're getting your tetris you know uh, tetris combos your double tetris combos and how you know the way that the music and the way the lights react to that all of that is really cool and really well done and would be a lot of fun to experience on a on a television it would look fantastic i'm sure this game would be breathtaking Mm -hmm. on a playstation 4 pro in 4k absolutely would that be absolutely breathtaking but putting on that headset and having all of that stuff envelop you is a completely different experience it's just again it's um, you are immersed in that you you lose sense of of everything else that's around you and you're just completely engrossed in, in this with just the, because again, you know, the, the music, yeah, there are some preset tracks and, and thing moments that, you know, that won't you know, parts of the music that won't queue up until you queue, uh, you know, clear a certain mm-hmm. number of lines. And so when you get to those moments, you know, the way those tracks come in were are impactful and they, you know, they make you feel something, but even just the moment to moment, you know, pressing your a and B button to, you know, rotate, Clockwise and counterclockwise, and when you're slow dropping your pieces, or when you uh, when you quick drop them down, the way that the music and the beat changes with all of that stuff, it's impact. I'm sure that would still also be impactful with you know a pair of headphones on while you're watching a TV. But literally, literally, when you have all of those screen effects happening, it in your face. I mean, it's it's very surreal. Hmm. It's just, it's, it it's cool. Like no, there are no other distractions around you. You know, I've had, I've had times where I was playing it and I could hear the fan in my house kind of clicking, <laughs> uh, and kind of messing up with my beat. And it, it took me out of it. Like it was, it was distracting and I had to shut off the fan. I had to, you know, th- you know, there's times when my wife will come in and she'll start talking to me. I'm like, uh, uh-uh, this isn't <laughs> happening. You stop talking. <laughs> no, no, that's not what happens. I pause it and I talk with my wife. But again, those, those those moments of playing a stage when there are those distractions are very different from when the kids are napping the wife is out the music is up and I'm just in it and you get in those grooves where you're just like clearing lines left and right nothing mm-hmm. can stop you and then this the speed is starting to increase because as you're as like- you're getting to cert progressing it it speeds up you know, it's 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 not a you don't choose a set speed uh-huh. and have it be at that breakneck speed the entire time it's it's unique to the song and there'll be times where it starts at a level one speed and once you break a certain number of lines and it gets to the certain point in the music it's going to speed up and you got to react a whole lot faster and then you clear some more lines and eventually it's going to slow down for you so there are some peaks and valleys into how the just again the the, the speed and the intensity is playing off the music and the visuals mm-hmm. as well it's really it's a it's a, a beautiful concert of of senses all just kind of being thrown at you it seems like a it's very
1: really... different tetris experience than uh tetris 99 yes. which i've played a lot of this year but that's, oh absolutely that's just like pure absolutely stress a, and com- it just
0: <laughs> yep totally different experience it's uh it's not, not only is it a fantastic Tetris game, it's just, it's unlike anything I've ever experienced before. And I've, I've been playing, you know, I've got a lot of different <laughs> VR games, a lot of different experiences, a lot of them, you know, music related and, you know, Beat Saber is an amazing game. Uh, I've been playing this new one uh, that's in uh, early access by Harmonix called, oh, what's it called? Like Otica.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. It I remember. That. Me. <clears throat> uh,
0: what's it called? Yeah. Otica. I said it right. Uh, and that, that one's really neat, uh, but they're, they're stressful. Um, they're cool, but they're stressful. Whereas this one, I could see myself playing this to just relax, Mm -hmm. just to kind of let things go. And like I said before, it's a very meditative experience. It's Tetris and chill. its Absolutely (laughs) fascinating. Tetris in chill. Maybe we won't go that far, but (laughs) it's, uh, it's, it's pretty neat. Um, So the last thing I've really been kind of spending a lot of time with has been Devil May Cry, excuse me, Devil May Cry 5. And what I, I the main reason I was drawn into this, number one, we had a cool experience playing it at PAX PAX last year. Uh, Number two, everybody has been speaking up, you know, about this game. we're talking Mm -hmm. about Game of the Year Watch, this seems to be the top of the list along with, you know, Resident Evil 2 Remake. And I was like, you know what? It was on sale. I gotta, I gotta jump in on this and and see what it's all about. And oh boy, <laughs> I I love it. I absolutely love it. And there's a couple reasons why. Number one, super high production values. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a very beautiful. Beautiful to control. <laughs> very beautiful looking game, um, and it kind of harkens back to a type of game I I <laughs> loved growing up and that's just like those old i mean like the original devil may yeah. cries back on the playstation 2 character just action a very <laughs> l- a character action linear high octane action kind of straight and to the mm-hmm. point get in do something cool get a rating and get out and that's and that's what it is yeah. i mean you've got your your different chapters and different characters that you're going to play in those chapters and different combos that you can unlock and, and earn by doing cool things to get the, the skill points that are going to allow you to unlock new moves, to continue doing really cool things to earn higher combos. And and, it's even telling uh, you to be more stylish in your (laughs) combos. Oh yeah. I mean, shoot. When you, when you get, when you get a, a sweet combo going and you get that, that, Number one an S ranking, number two a double S. If you get a triple S ranking, you know you're kicking some butt, (laughs) and it is it is just oh, it's it feels really good to play. You know, it's it's not a cakewalk. I'm I'm not playing it on an easy. There are options to make it easier uh, and to kind of auto do the combos. If you yeah. want to just feel awesome without learning the combos, you can do that. I'm not going there yet. Maybe we'll see how it goes as I'm continuing to play it. If I get to the point where I just want to see it through to the end, maybe I'll I mean, switch it, it up. I mean, it feels pretty no
1: rewarding, kind of learning to do it. It's not like it does super hard combos either. It's not like some of like you know like the really classic you know like God of War style where it's like you know like three four different buttons and like multiple things and trying to it doesn't seem like it's that it's just mostly you know each of the different face buttons is like you know your gun attack your melee attack and yep. your you know your um prosthetic the the year of prosthetics in uh,
0: powers yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> and shoot man this, those prosthetics they're <laughs> they're pretty cool i mean you're, you're you're the first character you play as nero um, is just your typical. He's, he's your devil hunter. He l- unfortunately lost an arm with uh with someone you inter- interact with, um, early on in the game. I mean, you don't see him lose the. You don't. You're not controlling yeah. him when he loses the arm, but you you learn about about it, um, and you have this um other character who is who is with you. A very colorful character who's who she's she's very entertaining, um, and a lot of fun when she, when she's on. On screen, but she's just this very smart uh, young lady who is building these prosthetics <laughs> for you, and each of them do have different abilities and powers and and things that can you know you can use them for in your fights, and it's it's you. I, you can't cycle through them once you when you have one equipped, yeah. you have to either lose it, you have to lose it, or have it be broken before you can move on yeah. to the next one. So you kind of need to be a little strategic with how you place your your uh, your loadouts. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know the way it's set up is as you're using this this item, um, if you get hit, it will get broken. Or alternatively, if you're you know you can be you know building up your combos, getting people stunned, and then using it to deal some damage. But then you can also press a button to do a large piece of damage with it and then lose it and then it will go on to your next one. You can only carry a certain number of them on you. So there's a little bit of risk reward. Uh, well, you can also, you if them. I
1: remember, right, you can use it like say like a boss like grabs you and is about to do something. You can like push, you know, the L1 or left bumper or whatever and it will like basically like self-destruct, but get you out of that without, Yes. I think
0: without even losing your combo meter, which
1: is kind of a nice way to keep the.
0: Yeah. It, but you, you'll lose the prosthesis, yeah. but you will, but yeah, you'll save yourself from in those situations. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, of risk and reward that can be done with how you use your, your, what they call devil breakers. I, I was hesitating using the term because I couldn't remember, remember what it was until right now. <laughs> but yeah, when you use your, when you use your devil breaker. And so, uh, you got Nero. That's kind of his thing. He's got his sword. He's got his gun. Uh, he's got his prosthesis, you know, to use for your devil breakers. But then you got um, later on, you you can take on another character who's going along for the ride with you is V. He's, you know, whereas Nero's a, a devil hunter. V is the mysterious <laughs> one. And he's kind of he's kind of your typical um, hardcore emo kid that you that we all Reads knew A lot of from, Poe uh, in, back in Back in <laughs> high school. Yep. He he's, he's, that's him. Um, you know, he's got the, the black vest and he's all tatted up. He's got the long black hair with one covering a, an eye at all times. <laughs> um, very mysterious. And you, you know, he's had a couple of bands in his life yeah. so far. Maybe it, maybe uh, um, you know, maybe a misfits cover band, perhaps <laughs> a little bit of my chemical romance in there. Uh, you know, you, you know that he was rocking the black parade <laughs> when he was in high school. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, he so far has been my favorite. Surprise, and I was actually surprised by it. What's what I like about him is he he walks with a cane, um, so he's got kind of a limp on him. But the way he deals damage is he summons a a panther for melee attacks, and he's got his hawk, or bird of <laughs> sorts that does uh that does your range damage, and so it's it's a different. Flow. It's a different Mm -hmm. dynamic while you're, you're trying to manage the position of your character because number one, you don't want to be in the thick of things, (laughs) but number two, you don't want to be so far away from your summoned demons because the closer you are to them, the, the more quickly they regenerate their health. Mm. Because if you lose both of them, obviously all the aggro (laughs) is going on you and you can't do you, you can hardly do anything by yourself. Um, But I, the reason I like him more is I, I feel like I've just kind of clicked with his the, his way of combat faster than I did with mm-hmm. Nero. Because, you know, with Nero, I was getting, you know, C, D, B ranks, maybe occasional A uh, with, with my combos. But when I'm fighting with V, it's like A, S, double S, mm-hmm. triple S. Like, I'm freaking, <laughs> I'm slaying these demons left and right. And it's like, like, there's no tomorrow. And I think because I I feel a whole lot cooler <laughs> when I'm playing as this guy who is you know by by his appearance he is much more vulnerable than Nero is and even Dante who you're eventually going to be able to play as um, who I haven't unlocked yet but it's just I don't know man I I, I like the dude's attitude <laughs> um, I I like his interaction with his his demon buddies and I'm just I, I love kicking butt with this dude it's 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 it feels I, I keep going back to it. It's, it's like, really nice that
1: they it, had such different playable characters in the game. I wasn't expecting Yeah, that. they're super
0: different. I would have thought, honestly, I would have guessed that they were just different Reef skins. Yeah. But no, they, they're completely different. I mean, his, uh, rather than the um, the Devil Breaker, the left bumper where you, you blow up your arm with Nero, with this guy, his, you, you build up your, your Devil Breaker combo and you can choose to apply some of that power up to enhance the attacks of your demons or you can or you can summon another demon guy who's just giant monstrous <laughs> beast that will will attack the closest thing to him he'll just kind of go on his own and start you know attacking things until the timer runs out and it just That's- all hell breaks loose and that's part of the reason why i can get higher combos because he's sitting there beating one dude over on this side and i'm beating another dude over here on this side with my panther and with my hawk buddy and i'm i'm dodging left and right as people from the other area are trying to attack uh, attack me it's just it, it you feel so awesome you know and, and it's, it's the very feeling of stylish those for sure <laughs> it's you you just you look cool you feel cool you it's 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 awesome. I mean, the game wears the style mm-hmm. on its sleeve. You know that that's one of the main uh, focuses of the game is just looking cool while you're doing cool things. Um, and, and it's you know, a,
1: it's a pretty like, ridiculous, campy story so far from what I've
0: seen. It seems I mean, oh, absolutely, it, it's fun,
1: but it's very it's very campy and like
0: you know, it feels yeah, it absolutely. feels at home
1: it, in the '90s,
0: <laughs> early 2000s. It Really IG. does, and that's what I think is so <laughs> special about it. Is it? It feels like that old ps2 game that you know you loved back in the day and it you know it, it even down to the point where there are invisible walls where you can't you can't go through them you could clearly physically <laughs> move your character in that space like but but no no the game does not want you to go there so it, you will stop when you get to that point so it's it it feels old school in a in a refreshing sort of way and also i like with how linear it is very linear, you know, you're there, you go off the beaten path a little bit. You might find a couple of orbs that you wouldn't have found otherwise. Um, but it's, I like that it's, it's nice moving from playing so many open world games to something that is chapter based where I, yeah, it's not even like, you know, more recent, 20 minutes uh,
1: where, you know, yeah, where like, you know, it's directed. yeah, it's literally the chapters and the loading screens. And like, it feels very, very, you know, kind of a throwback to that
0: style what what you love of those older games it, it's it's not like a, oh, it's it feels like an old school game to its detriment. No, I think that's to its uh it's one of its greatest assets because I can play a twenty minute chapter mm-hmm. and walk away. yeah, like I, I was like okay, i I played a a sweet chapter. I felt really cool doing you got it. and your progress I'm satisfied. For the night. You can clock out. I'm going to move on. Now I can watch Netflix. Now it's not a question of am I going to play video games or am I going to watch a Netflix show. I can do both (laughs) and not go to bed at 3 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) So I'm super digging this game, and I can't wait to see it through to the end.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely have to check more of that out. I'm still kind of in the beginning, but definitely. I mean, I was impressed. I mean, it's, it's smooth. The performance, like, you know, like it's, you know, it performs well. You know, it seems like it's at 60 frames per second, I think. It just, yep, yeah. It yep. just, it just controls oh, very well, so you know. It is, mm-hmm. and uh, the story, as I said, like it's kind yep. of ridiculous, but like, I mean, it still just still kind of gets me that um um Nero, it's just like, did they take his design from Scalebound? Like, it seems so very very. I guess that that type of character, it seems very similar. Yeah, he does
0: yeah. look like a. He, yeah. he looks a lot like the Scalebound guy. <laughs> uh, I think they just took kind of, a mix of of him. And maybe a little bit of of the DMC mm-hmm. version of of Dante. I think it's Dante in that one. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, there, it, there's been so many games, it's it's hard to keep track. I, I also of, like of that
1: they had at the beginning a quick, uh, I mean, kind of a recap yes, of the story so far, mm-hmm. going back. I mean, it skipped. I mean, it skipped uh, the the reboot, but uh, <laughs> I mean, it kind yeah,
0: of it did.
1: Kind of ridiculous how the, the story overall is. A, I mean,
0: I I played. I played DMC one I the were the original Democrat on PS2 loved it. I played the second one, did not play the third or the fourth hmm. uh, or the, or this, uh, this reboot. So I'm not like uh, an expert in this series. Uh, I do. I have fond memories of playing that one on PS2 and I, there are, there are moments in, uh, and things that I really remember, a lot of the sounds are the same, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the dings and the dongs that you get when you're, when you're unlocking things, all of those are the same to the original and they feel very, very nostalgic to me. And I feel kind of at home, uh, experiencing those. So super adore this game. And I, it's quickly climbing up to be my, my top pick for the year. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. That's for sure. Well, I think that wraps up this this segment. Um, let's go ahead and jump into our topic of the day: next gen. Next gen. I mean, let me let me quickly just kind of recap where we're at <laughs> for the big three with 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 Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo. Uh, it seems that. Microsoft right now with the Xbox is building up on services. You know what? What can we give to our customers that's going to make them happy from a service standpoint? Whether it's you know your uh, your uh, the the better access for, for Xbox Live. You know that that solid platform that we've you know come to know and love uh, the games with gold. Um, you know and now the ever great game pass that is that we've we've been huge advocates for on, on this on this podcast the value that's there and and Microsoft is absolutely continuing to invest in that style of game delivery uh, with the acquisition of multiple different uh, new first party studios to try and build content. I mean, that Netflix model of, you know, Netflix being the one and only place to get your DVD rentals on mm-hmm. the internet and then streaming a couple things here and there. But then as other people started to come into that space, what what sets Netflix apart is is not what it used to be. Now mm-hmm. it's original content that is what's causing people to continue to subscribe to Netflix. Uh, and that's what Xbox is wanting to do, not just be the Netflix of games in a sense of delivering them and, and streaming them and, and it being a subscription-based deal, but for original content that you can only access through a Microsoft Xbox service, not necessarily console, but an Xbox service. So that's kind of where where they're at. You know, Sony has been Kind of riding, their, riding the wave of first party exclusivity and high quality first party games for this last, I probably say maybe two thirds or third of this generation. Yeah. And it took them a while to build up to that. I've like, definitely first party uh, exclusives. Horizon
1: New Dawn's really where that. I think really that's
0: that fun. was kind of the start of that where where it really the, the wave started to break a little bit and it's just riding it into the shore right now with mm-hmm. you know excellent titles like God of War and, and you know Spider Marvel Spider Man uh, we've got you know The Last of Us Part twos coming up uh, Ghost of Tsushima's coming up Death Stranding's coming up and uh, we're just just getting a plethora of, of first party titles we've experienced and but they will be coming out now and it's just quality. Uh, and and quantity, especially when you're comparing it to what what Xbox has put out in the first party front, and then Nintendo is continuing to be Nintendo mm-hmm. when it comes to just embracing being the the second console. I, they're not going to come out and say it that way, but they're going to tell you they're not competing with with Microsoft or with Sony. They've got their own thing that they're doing with their you know their The the Switch being that hybrid uh, mobile home console um, and continuing to just, you know, build their on their beloved franchises with with excellent titles like Breath of the Wild and, you know, Mario Odyssey. And now with the Fire Emblem uh, Three Houses, they're just they they're doing their thing and they're doing it well. And they've they've been doing it well this entire generation of the switch and i and i i don't see that changing a whole lot but that, that's kind of where where they're at right now where do they need to go what what sh- let, let's talk i think for me personally i think microsoft has them has the most approved maybe we'll end with them let's let's yeah. continue talking nintendo what what does nintendo need to do to keep their momentum that they've been building up over the last couple of years what do you think
1: well um nintendo's in a you know interesting not completely uh you know, it's not quite the same situation as the other two. I mean, as I said, the Switch came out, you know, we, we started out this generation with the Wii U and now we're in you know, ending with the Switch. So it's kind of like, I don't know necessarily how they're going to handle, you know, like, especially next year when the other consoles drop and there's it's going to go back to being a ginormous, you know, gap in, you know, potential, oh, yeah. you know, graphics quality and hardware quality and all that. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think they have really hit a winning formula on being, especially the, I mean, the Switch being the combination of the portable, but also, you know, being able to play it docked, I think. I mean, that's, I think, probably one of the main appeals of the system. I know that is, for me, and I said, like, if it was one or the other, I don't think it would have the same appeal. And I think they really need to continue doubling down on, you know, it's, you know, showing that they're, you know i think really nintendo is you know more than sony even still the king really of you know exclusive power first party yeah first party more than others they have a lot to capitalize on and a lot to continue i think they need to show that you're going to continue to see these quality nintendo titles coming but also with now i mean highlighting more interest from third parties and you know particularly indies being this is the ideal place because you know we all know indies are you know great games but much lower graphics requirements. They run perfectly generally on the switch. Some kind of notable um, issues lately, I believe with uh, a bloodstain and people being very, very upset about that. But I think, Mm. I think they need to continue and I think they need to go switch pro, you know, they need to kind of do their own version of the pro and the X, you know, maybe after another year or two to kind of freshen it up, keep all the backwards compatibility And they also really, really need to, you know, get their internet house in order. Like, I mean, here we are, you know, more than, you know, we're coming up on, you know, a year since Nintendo Switch Online launched. It's honestly been mostly disappointing. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's sad that the only few highlights, I mean, for me, outside of you, I mean, Tetris 99, but like, they either need to really... I mean, they need to work on just the quality and the services being consistent. Like just, um, you know, like, like if I see someone pop on, there needs to be a way to message people, you know, from the console. The phone app is mm-hmm. still a sad joke. It's hard to, like, get in groups with people and add people. And I'm not act- even sure
0: I have it installed on my phone anymore. I, yeah well
1: i think it's on there but did like the thing where it like kind of like auto like our you know kind of just like keeps the thing there but you have to redownload if you want to launch it. i think that's what yeah but it's like right they so they need to work on that and have a little more um compelling online options especially if they're going to continue to ask for it i think they need to also i mean honestly it's like if it wasn't for tetris 99 i'd you know, that's most of the use I've probably gotten, you know, a little bit of Smash here and there. I mean, there's some nice mm-hmm. stuff now, except like in Fire Emblem, like they're adding in these kind of online uh, functionality that is, you know, it, it, it adds to the game. They need more of that, but um, they really need to, you know, work on that. But I think as long as they can keep their, you know, quality and caliber of games coming at a steady clip and people know it and have offering that, you know, they really need to keep, you know, bringing in, you know, the entire world of the portable audience and, you know, people otherwise who are interested in Nintendo games but didn't, you know, it's like, you know, a lot of people don't want to go out and get a really old, you know, 3DS handheld to play, you know, games that could look a right. lot better. And so I think now we're finally seeing, exactly. you know, the fruits. They need to continue on that um, building up. But I think they are, you know, kind of in a, a different position, but they definitely have, you know, a lot of potential, I think, for growth and telling more people, that these you know having a wide range of their quality titles, I think, is what will keep people coming in, even as new Absolutely. hardware comes out. So,
0: and, and here's the thing that that has me maybe concerns not the right word, but I'll use it concern for Nintendo is what's separating them apart right now. Aside from their their killer first party lineup, which will always bring people to their platform, but if we take that out of the question, um, it's the taking high quality games on the go, mm-hmm. you know, in, on, in, in handheld mode. And that's really the, the biggest yeah. selling feature. And I can, I'm concerned about that because with the talk of project X cloud and Google Stadia and, and the inevitable, uh, follow up for that. Sony will have in that similar vein, what's going to be unique for Nintendo in their next step mm-hmm. when, the other platforms are going to be having their own answer to that. I mean, granted, one of those, the big differences is it's going to be native. You know, you're going to have a dedicated uh, device, play those things on the go without having to stream them. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's going to be a little bit different in that aspect, but it will change the way I view the Switch mm-hmm. from, oh, I'm definitely taking my Switch with me when I go to work because I'm going to have time to kill and I can play my Switch games. Yeah it's going to change completely when project X cloud comes out, when I could just be like, well, shoot, I'm just going to have another, a, a an own yeah, my own dedicated like Xbox, Xbox PC controller games in my, go. yeah. it's going to be in my truck. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep an Xbox controller in my work truck and I'll just power up the phone and play whatever I've been playing on my, you know, through that. I mean, granted, we'll, we'll see how it, how it actually plays out in the end from a tec- technical standpoint, but that's the way I see myself, Using Project X Cloud, and so I, what I concern, my concern is how is Nintendo going to build on what makes them unique, and are they going to double down and just come out with a Switch Pro mm-hmm. and and try to ride this as long as they can, and you know when will the next thing come out? Will will they try to reinvent the wheel again, or are they just going to try to stick to this type of a system of, of a hybrid home? and on-the-go console i'm i'm not sure i i think there is still going to be room for that um this next generation because of the the you know the infrastructure of the internet in this country uh people are going to want something dedicated that they could take on the go um but what about in 10 years when the let's call it switch 2 comes out Mm. what's going to make it unique is it just going to be a more powerful handheld console um, I mean, maybe they they'll have a 5G new. radio on it and, you know. Right, right.
1: I think I think if they play Including their cards month, right, your, they have your, an advantage uh... in that. I mean, right now it's like it's still like the better form factor to play than having, you know, the, the controller and then like another piece to hold and hold onto your phone like – if they yeah, could someone someone
0: calls your phone yeah, you're yeah. kicked out of your game you, if you're playing destiny are an online game you're you're disrupting your your raid when someone calls you so it's not going to be the ideal i mean but if play, they can come, come to agreements
1: sure. with the other cloud holders like xcloud and maybe even stadia to like having that on the switch available for however they can come to agreement then it has an advantage if people buy switches to sure. have that be the one portable home for when you take things, then that's going to be the one you reach for. It's like, oh, I can play, you know, if you could have your xCloud and your Stadia and everything else, whatever else comes up, maybe Sony PS Now all on the Switch. Maybe Sony wouldn't do that, probably right. not. But, I mean, I think yeah, they probably. have the, you know, the form factor advantage right now that, you know, it's a it's a better, you know, the having the built-in, you know, how to switch the controllers, like the physical controllers on it, I think that is an advantage, whereas on the any of the system, that's either like you have to buy other, you know, add ons or stuff to make it to get that same you know, kind of form. Right. factor. So they have some advantages that if they're smart, I think they can whether or not they do. That's, you know, very Nintendo thing to, you know, <laughs> who knows. But yeah, so it, it's a risk. But there I think there is opportunity there as well.
0: Definitely. All right. Let's go ahead and jump into into Sony right now. Um I'll just say one thing, and then I'll kind of let you. you know, I'll hear your thoughts. For me, I'm just concerned for the. Will it be inevitable hubris, hmm. uh, for for Sony? We we've seen it happen to them. We just saw it happen to Microsoft. Will this be even another Nintendo with the of, Wii
1: U? I mean, it happens. There.
0: Abso- absolutely, everyone's had their had their term with it when they transitioned to a new uh, a new generation. So that's my main question is Sony going to learn from the several examples in the past of hubris, or are they going to be able to maintain the, the huge lead that they've had this generation and kind of being the dominant platform moving forward?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, right now Sony's definitely, you know, they're the, you know, they're, they're, they're sitting at the top and that can bring with it, you know, a sense of complacency. And I mean, but right now, I mean, they have, they have, they have, the audience they have the games that justify you know the Mm -hmm. system and i think you know they need to keep showing people that you know it's worth you know we're gonna have you know these high quality games and the high quality third person games that you don't get on nintendo here you get that combination all around everything's all right here you need it and they i mean they also do i think really you know kind of benefit from appealing to the very traditional console audience who don't want things to change. They just, you know, Mm -hmm. so if they might, you know, just be able to play for that. And, but I think they can survive off that. I think, you know, that market will still be there and they can still be just as successful whether or not they want to, or will be able to grow, you know, into a wider market. Hard to say, but I think they, if they, you know, don't do anything too outlandish or too greedy, you know, i think they can keep a pretty a pretty strong faithful hold with a lot of people without doing without changing the you know right now they're the they're the coca-cola they don't need to i mean Mm -hmm. maybe they will bring out new coke without a reason and that will be a problem and then they'll go back to old coke it's hard to say but um i mean right now they don't they don't need to change the formula that much you know they're just kind of the
0: it and that's and that's why I think they should. I mean, hear, hear me out on this. I mean, you, you look at the reason Microsoft, with the Xbox, has so many incredible customer, f- consumer-friendly services that are coming out is because they are in last place. Yeah. I mean, that that's the reason for it. let's be honest, that's how business works, that's how competition works. And that's the reason that so many people say, "Well, Sony doesn't have to do anything. They're already in first place. Why should they come out with a Game Pass equivalent? Why should they uh, lower the price of PlayStation mm. Now to match the price of, of Game Pass? You know, why why should they include uh, PlayStation VR games in their PS Now subscription?" Uh, you know, in addition to the PlayStation 4 games, you know, why should they do these things? Well, because the competition's doing it right now. You know, the, and that's that if, if we were to see if, if I see the pl- the announcement of the PlayStation 5 come out and it's just a more powerful box to play Sony first party exclusives, it's going to sell. You know it's absolutely it's going to sell. I will likely buy one. I mean it's it's I'm going to have one whether I buy it at launch or I buy it a few months down the road like I did when I waited for Mm -hmm. the PlayStation 3. um, I'm going to own one because of their first party lineup. Um, But when we want to see if we want to see Sony maintain the the not only the market share but the the mind share and the the good earn some good or or build on the goodwill is to kind of break the the status quo and not be in a in a position of hurt to do more consumer friendly moves well i think that's a definitely a huge risk and they do run the risk
1: of you know having perception can change very quickly especially around generations as we've seen in the past for pretty much everyone it you know as much as people you know it's like oh you you know you're not locked in you know that much as much as people say and when it comes down to it, people's perceptions can change on a dime on you know a fewly wrong not even you know it's like a few policies that are even perceived as bad can explode almost out of nowhere and you know completely change the perception and a lot of managing you know the perception that consumers have is all important they do have the advantage. Well, it's, of, well, it's like look,
0: know. look, look at look at crossplay, and I mean we're in a day of social media where if you say one thing bad, a million people are going to shout it from the rooftops, and you're going to have a PR nightmare, and and that's it's exactly what happened to Sony with, uh, with the crossplay discussions. Why wait for the discussion to be? Oh, we're in the next generation, and Microsoft Microsoft has a this just plethora of incredible consumer-friendly features that you are lacking. Why, why wait for that? Because you know what's going to happen. You know that discussion will happen. Is it worth waiting for that discussion? Oh, they or said, just, I mean, if
1: they wanted to capitalize on all of their strengths, they need to be ahead of this stuff and have, you know. Exactly. Yeah, that's why it definitely would behoove them to take, you know, take the temperature of the room again now and not be too complacent and be like, if we really want to nail down in – you know backed in all the hatches and you know really secure you know our lead from the beginning it's you know look at what people are saying and what people want now and even if that's not what we've provided in the past like be out there be up front and be consumer friendly and how you discuss it and even if you don't go all in like it's just about it's like you know even now like look how much down even though the crossplay thing is still you know not widespread across they just do it for the couple big things to keep you know keep people appeased i mean they can, you know, kind of have their cake and eat it, too, without, you know, completely, you know, opening up the door. But, you know, just opening it enough to keep the, you know, keep the media from being too questioning, you know.
0: Exactly. Exactly. They don't have to do too much, but enough to say, to show people that you are not letting your complac letting complacency take over or, you know, the 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 fact that you're in first place making you just do the barest of minimum because people nowadays can see through that well and they also um, really need to it doesn't fly anymore
1: I think the most important thing PlayStation needs to do is they need to be 100 sure that they only you know really release all their all the games have to be that super high quality because like the second right it doesn't then you know people you know and it's also it's a balance you know it's between you know because starting new IPS is a huge risk even you know it's like mm-hmm. you know it could go the way of horizon zero dawn or it could go the way of you know some of the other less successfuls they've had this generation that they have you know quietly taken out back like the order you know even though I think right between those right. two games I probably like the order more but like you know a lot of it depends on the perception and like it is a big risk and like if you have too many of those in a row it goes from you know that's like you know, or canceled things. It's like, that's what happens with Microsoft. That's what happened have, to Microsoft. You have yeah. Fable, scale bound all these, you know, other things canceled and lulls. And like, especially now that games take And then the longer. game that finally comes out that's, is
0: Crackdown 3. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. that's your first successful launch. Yeah. And it was, you know, mediocre. It was received mediocrely. Yeah.
1: So they have to, you know, really, really be careful with, you know, making sure they only release you know really good games which is a lot harder mm-hmm. than you know we take for granted and so like i said they really have to be on top of that and like instead like even having successful franchises like outside of you know call of duty and gta you know it's like long running ones a lot of times do like it just takes a little bit of people to get fatigue, and it goes you know from oh man i love having halo gears and forza to, oh another halo gears forza and that can go right. yep. you know it can mm-hmm. go similarly you don't want to I mean, God of War suffered from that and needed a reboot, and so it's kind of you have to be making sure like you don't release all these things and hit fatigue at the same point because that's when perceptions will dramatically shift. So they, you know, it's just about really managing their games and making sure. You said Absolutely. like, I mean, what if what if Marvel popularity takes a downturn or you know, Spider-Man Two or whatever isn't quite as good? That can change the conversation on the entire platform. So it's mm-hmm. everything you know when you're banking on that. So you have to be like, you know. Nintendo seal of quality.
0: <laughs> right. I, it's, you know, the last thing I'll say on, on Sony and then we'll move along is y- you look at the conversation that's happening with Microsoft right now and studio acquisition. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's been ruling the, you know, the, the news. Sp- Discussion for a long time now. Every time they announce a new one, that that's the new You know, everyone's talking about that, and it's exciting, and people are, are interested to see what's going to happen and what what's that's gonna what that's gonna do for the studio and what it's going to do for Microsoft. You know, and. And now, after all these acquisitions, Microsoft and Sony are kind of on par when it comes to quantity yeah. of and, and even quality of first-party studios. Granted, some of the Microsoft ones are unproven for that platform, mm. but still, with with their track records, there's quality there. Um, but the perception is, well, why is Microsoft buying studios and and not and not mm-hmm. Sony? And there have been those whispers and those those words coming out of Sony saying that yeah, they're not opposed to you know, building that portfolio through acquisition. But the and longer they, they wait, almost,
1: there's a smaller pool of quality, you know, available independent uh, developers. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's you you do not want to leave us. If, if, if insomniacs on the table, what? you don't want to leave that for the negotiation of Microsoft. You want to swoop in there and get that while you're high on the success of, Marvel Spider-Man, you know, you jump in there and swoop that. Assuming Insomniac's even interested in cheering. I'm pretty sure they're not. That's kind of been there. I mean, that's kind of one of the
1: other issues. It's been their perception. Some of these second, you know, so-called second parties to Sony long-term. Like, even um, Quantic Dream recently basically seems to have taken a much bigger break with, you know, now the stuff releasing their, you know, even back. I actually thought
0: they were first party. A lot of people did because they've just had that long. I mean,
1: (laughs) well, I mean, I I believe, I can't remember. What was the... There was, it was either on the original Xbox or Xbox 360, one of those early David Cage games was on that, but...
0: Oh, uh, Indigo Prophecy? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, but I mean, yeah, but since then they've had such a long... Same, for some people, similar to uh, Remedy, you know, kind of in the same time period, people just Mm -hmm. thought they were. But it's like, no, and a lot of these studios do value their independence. Like Insomniac, particularly, they could have, you know, been bought by Sony back way back in the PS2 era, probably. But so Mm. those partners, it might be harder for them to acquire because... You know they value their independence, as so they have to still look elsewhere, and you know that still leaves right. a possibility that maybe Insomniac will, you know, want to make you know a fuse by themselves, not under EA, or you know make another Sunset Overdrive, but not be exclusive and stuff like that. So they they really need to you know really get going if it looking at what you know quality studios are still out there you know on the table. So
0: mm-hmm. right. Well, moving on to the last one with Microsoft, the the reason we're saving them for last is mostly because, you know, Nintendo and Sony are kind of question marks right now. I mean, we've only heard of the the idea behind a power more powerful box for Sony, and that's kind of it. Whereas at least with Microsoft, it's all, it, it's less of An unknown, they've been shouting from the rooftops what their plan for next generation is. I mean, they've been doing they've that been for really the last open and year kind and of, a half, yeah, an
1: unprecedented way. In terms of, I mean, part right. of that is, is they want to, they've been, I think, part of the strategy was they knew this, this gen was a wash, you know, there's not, it's yes. never going to be recovered, and so that's why they've been focusing on building that positive perception being very open with the future plans they're not you know very consumer friendly it's like i said like they've been like yeah and you know the same thing with the x they said you know more than a year in advance like it's coming out you know we don't want anyone to feel burned basically you know mm-hmm. make your decision mm-hmm. based on what you want and i think that's kind of what they're doing with the next box but so they're they're letting everyone know out. they want to get the word of mouth out first set the first impressions set it good and that's why i think they've been trying to kind of take you know the take the stage in terms of trying to get the initial the initial message out there of next gen because you know they have the most to gain you know they're you know struggling and and that's why i mean but to their credit i mean despite you know having you know i will say critically a mixed bag of you know releases although a ton of attempted new ip this gen and a lot of interesting titles and but as far as you know critics go hits and misses mostly um but you know they've done a good job especially since basically the launch of game pass and being you know showing something that you know is very you know beneficial exciting great value and honestly you know it's it's one of the greatest ways to play games on a budget and like you know feel part of a community of people playing this shared library of games and having discussions and a great way to both you know get people interested into you know older titles and you know still a pretty good job of having day and date on you know mid-tier and indie titles releasing on it and i mean so i think
0: like i i still can't believe like it's it, <laughs> it was hard to believe day and date first party yeah. on game Pass when it was, it sea was just sea of thieves forts uh you know crackdown you know like oh man i mean that was that was of there was value in that but now you look at all these studio acquisitions and all was it 13 14 new studios now however many it is knowing that every single one of the games that come out from those newly mm-hmm. acquired studios, plus the existing ones, including look at halo infinite. Yep. If you are never, a game pass subscriber, you don't have to pay yep. extra to, to, to play that game. I mean, look at Gears the beginning Spy, of the Xbox
1: you, one. Generation. I would have never thought that's the way Microsoft would go.
0: I mean, it's, we, it's absolutely incredible and, to, to, to think of, that is the way, you know that's gonna be the new a, a new delivery mechanism for for that platform moving forward through game Pass. They've invested a lot into it yeah. and you know I'm curious to see how I'm going to perceive a purchasing games moving into the next generation. Yeah. you know, I don't see myself necessarily, a subscribing to every single you know third party yeah. developer that's gonna want to get a piece I, of I, that like, I'm prime. not doing you, the Ubisoft you know all thing. You know, I'm, I'm actually. I, I'm not interested in doing that.
1: On the fence of dropping EA access after Jedi Fallen Order. I think I'm going to. Yeah, just until we know I'm, more I'm, about what's yeah, on the plate for EA. EA's kind of been struggling, but. Uh,
0: they've been up. Yeah, they're they're it's it's interesting. But to yeah, see I think where, where they're going to be going, but
1: Microsoft's done a good job of. I mean, so I think they've already gotten a good job of showing they have this new exciting service they have you know the best services for you know playing all your favorite third-party games and all they need to do is you know with all these heroes release a steady flow of high of good quality games for a wide range of people and i think that's that's the appeal i mean whether or not many of their titles will still hit that critically high you know Naughty Dog Mark regardless of I mean, so I said like for me it's like after playing all the Naughty Dog games, it's like I still believe Quantum Break was every bit just as good in terms of storytelling and everything else. Critics won't do agree for whatever reason, maybe they will have control. But um it's but it had the quality there, and I think Microsoft isn't concerned necessarily about like they don't need to have that ninety plus metacritic on every every title right. for people to know there's a good value and constantly stuff coming. It's kind of like I mean I keep saying kind of like Netflix, it's there are some fantastic Netflix originals on a whole bunch of it has to be your cup of
0: tea to really enjoy it. But right. It, it, but that that is something that is unfortunate for Microsoft right now, that it's, it's a hurdle they're going to have to get over is the fact that there are so many eyes on them because they are making such big power moves right now. People are watching and people are going to be extremely critical of them, you know, buying all these studios and you, when, when they get a, 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 you know, a studio like compulsion games. And then when we happy few comes out and it's not Mm -hmm. what people were expecting and people start to wonder, Hmm, was this a good idea for Microsoft to acquire these guys? Can, they've got a lot to prove after that game. And are people going to accept that you know that not every single studio needs to be a triple A or quadruple A but at the same time we can't wait microsoft cannot wait for the initiative to be the first yeah. studio well, I think Halo to Infinite needs something to... at that caliber and that's what yeah. I was going to get at is Halo Infinite needs it needs to kill it needs to it revitalize to Halo be... in the mainstream you know it does I mean, I loved Halo 5. I actually enjoyed the campaign. I know there's a lot of hate for it out there, people that continue to repeat their hate <laughs> for that campaign. It wasn't my favorite, but I didn't hate it. I had a lot, of, a lot of fun with that. I enjoyed playing as Locke. I thought it was an interesting character. Uh, I mean, it could have been so much playing, more want, is kind of the problem with that. It could have been so much more. Then... That, was, that was the biggest problem is, yeah, you know, with all of that media marketing and that podcast that I listened to that yep. was incredible. And oh. it, it ended up not being any of that. And that sucked. Yep. But Halo Infinite can't be an 8. It can't. Yeah. It can't. It, it has to. It has to be a nine or a ten. Um, it, it can't just be a nine or a ten because of the multiplayer. Yeah. It they need to prove three four three industries needs to prove that they can be a beyond triple a developer mm-hmm. microsoft needs that win because every single game coming out from a first party studio moving forward is going to be under a microscope by everybody mm-hmm. to look to, you know just you know to tr- continue to try and you know just change the narrative like oh yeah they're doing all these great things but it's not paying off because that's what's going to grab headlines that's what's going to grab people's attention and we ho- hopefully we've we've got the the plans and the games lined up to handle that criticism. I mean, hopefully now it's been so long
1: between Halo games that it's had the rest. It can have that kind of, you know, God of war moment. If when they need to really, they need to really hit the marketing. They need to, you know, get back to like that. Halo three, just like perfect marketing, you know, combination. And the, you know, they need to show it has, you know, it needs to make Halo like a household name again, but the, exactly. if they pull it off being at the start of the gen when i mean if we're being honest like Ooh. sony has a bunch of great games coming out but they're all coming out for the ps4 you know mm-hmm. and if they're kind what's of if they out, do like their first the part? ps4 people forget real quickly that had not yes. good exclusives for basically till uncharted 4 you know it was there, a, it
0: there was a was an entire <laughs> I, I still remember, yeah, there was that, that year where they had nothing from first party coming out at all the holiday. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was Shuhei who came out and said like, oh, well, I mean, we've got a lot of deals with, I mean, I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. a, a lot. But it, it was basically like, we've got these third party deals with, you know, the Call of Duty exclusive content mm-hmm. and all that stuff. That's what we need to rely on are the third party deals that we've made to to carry us through this holiday and and they already had the mind i mean but they they
1: really were able to pull that off i think because you know they were lucky in that you know none of the early i mean microsoft had a lot of early exclusives but yeah i said none of them really hit that that critical you know appeal i mean i think a lot of that was also tied up into this general negativity you know from the launch Mm -hmm. of the platform things like i said like titanfall once you know fantastic game you know same month came out you know infamous second son not so much but you know same review scores more about. And they were still there. So they really lucked out that Microsoft didn't have anything really drawing in tons of people at that stage. Whereas if they, if they start out the generation with, you know, a fantastic halo game when there's not much else, that's, what's going to get people interested in the platform, but also Mm -hmm. also being on PC and having, that audience and pulling in people there i mean it has a potential to create a large widespread word of mouth and you know this general consensus Absolutely. and that's why they need to nail it whereas if it comes out and it's mm-hmm. you know halo 5.5 and it goes too much on like random cortana stuff that wasn't pulled off well in five then it's you know and it's only good multiplayer, then it's not going to help. So they really need to, I mean, my hope is it's been, it's going to be five years or whatever, that point with that much time. And I really do think that a lot of the, you know, people at three four three have taken to heart a lot of the criticisms. And I mean, they've shown in five that they can make fantastic Halo multiplayer and they showed Mm -hmm. in four interesting enough that they could make, you know, a good campaign. They just need to do both at the same time.
0: (laughs) So (laughs) yes, (laughs) this hopefully this will be the one yep. well ne, regard re, you know needless to say we're excited for this what's to come yep. next from all all included platforms i'm really anxious just to see where this next generation goes and and hopefully you are too and we look forward to hearing the news and in experiencing it with you all at the same time so that's going to wrap up this episode thanks so much for joining us uh, you can f- uh, always join us uh, on every new episode, and we look forward to j- having you join us next time. You can follow me on Twitter at j underscore pwp, and you can follow me at pwpcast. And we'll see you next time. Bye.